0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Falkaholics Post Game Podcast. For the 2019 season, week 15, the Atlanta Falcons at San Francisco to take on the once division rivals for the old NFC West, uh, San Francisco 49ers. Joining me as always is my co-host and fellow writer-alcoholic, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Um, I mean, what a wonderful win that was. And, you know, not many of us expected it. So it's kind of set the tone for the week, I think.
0: Yeah, it was uh, (laughs) – I think we had every writer picking against the Falcons at the site this week Mm -hmm. again. Except for James. And (laughs) you got to give it up to James for uh, Mm -hmm. being the one to go out on a limb. And and honestly, I even wrote in my predictions that I thought we were looking at potentially 49 points from the 49ers offense. Mm -hmm. And this was on the cusp of what they did – the week before when they went into new Orleans and uh, i believe they scored 40 47 48 points something like that um so and you know a lot of people would say new Orleans has a pretty good defense so i think there was a lot of reason going to this game to think that the falcons were just not going to match up you know you're looking at one of the top teams in the nfc um one of the uh, expected Super Bowl favorites in the NFC at this point, point. and the Falcons are arguably one of the worst teams in the league, at least in the bottom, you know, seven. Uh, you can put them in the same conversation with teams like the Panthers, um, who they beat twice. Uh, maybe not as bad as the Bengals, but you know, Miami, New York Jets, and that in that range feels like where they're going to be drafting, anyways. And so to me, this was even more stunning a win than the victory over New Orleans, because with rivalry games like, you know, within the NFC South, you sort of expect some craziness. You know, you you Mm -hmm. see it every single year. There's always an upset. Uh, It doesn't matter what the records are. Those games tend to go off script anyways. And I, I thought this would be a reality game for the Falcons. And it ended up being the opposite. So let's start with the the Falcons offense, like we usually do, because I feel like um, the score is going to get a lot of attention 29 points. But the reality is, um, six of those came uh, at the very end. um, You know, when uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, I think, returned uh, a fumble on the the kickoff uh, when they were trying to, you know, when San Francisco was trying to make something happen, he scored a touchdown with it. uh, Really, they scored 23 points in regulation. So, again, not a fantastic outing for the offense. Uh, but, again, this was a 49ers defense that has one of the best pass rushes in the league. Uh, they have one of the best pass defenses in the league. I think they were ranked number one coming into this game. Um, so what are some of your thoughts on the offense, some guys that stood out to you?
1: Um, I mean, definitely you have to look at how Matt Ryan just continues to be pretty consistent for the team overall. Um I mean, he had, like, a pretty solid day, 25-39, 210 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, a lot of people are going to remember the game winner. As you mentioned, there was a touchdown later on, but that was the game winner. Like, if it ended right there, you know, that was it. We won. Um, but, I mean, Julio Jones, it's like people, you know, earlier in the season, he scored, you know, touchdowns, and it was fine. And then he went nine games without, um, without a touchdown. So, I mean, the announcers who love to pick stuff apart mentioned it several times how, oh, he hasn't scored in nine games. He hasn't scored in nine games. While neglecting that, he's literally moving them downfield. You know, it's like every possession. Um, So he shut them up early. He finished the game. He had 20 targets. Like, that's absurd. But 20 targets, 13 receptions, 134 yards, two touchdowns julio jones it's like people start sleeping on him and start being like okay well there's these other receivers that are the best in league then he has these games that just wake people back up you know and he's earning the yardage it's not like easy wide open stuff like you watch all the plays he earned it. i mean that touchdown he earned it that was a goal line the 49ers thought they won um and then they reviewed it and he's clearly like you know just over the goal line um you know I mean, it's it was a good overall day for the offense, but you can't really, you know, ignore what Julio Jones brings to the offense. Um, and the offense went through him. And I know a lot of people always mention, you know, force Julio the ball, and that's basically what they did. And, you know, it's always maybe not the best formula, but it certainly worked against the 49ers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, and then you look at the run game, there was really no run game, which was kind of expected because 49ers have one of the better defenses in the league. Um, yeah. And I know they had some injuries, but like along the defensive line, they're still tough. So the defense, I mean, the uh, Falcons run game really was non-existent, um, which we've been pretty much used to at this point. But aside from that, I mean, did you see anybody else who stood out on offense?
0: I mean, you know, definitely Julio. And I think uh, to your point, the, the number of targets is probably indicative of the fact that, you know, Ryan doesn't have obviously Sanu to throw to anymore, who has been yeah. uh, shipped off to New England and he didn't have Ridley. Uh, so, you know, the drop-off, I love Russell Gage. Um, I love what he offers, but the drop-off from, uh, you know, those guys down to Russell Gage is, is pretty significant. Ryan is still getting uh, comfortable with what Gage can do. And, and I, I do think it's worth pointing out that Gage was second in receptions. You know, he had yeah. five receptions for 27 yards. Um, so he is certainly, you know, earning that trust. But then, past you know, past Russell Gage, um, you know, Austin Hooper didn't have a big game, uh, which was a little bit surprising. I thought he would have some success against these linebackers, um, and you know, guys like Christian Blake, Alameda Zacchaeus, uh, you know, they are guys that you don't want to have to depend on in the game consistently. And I think Matt Ryan showed us that. You know, if he's looking for Julio twenty times, it's because those other guys, uh, are, they don't have his trust as a quarterback. So I, I trust what Matt Ryan is telling us. Matt Ryan is telling us in, in that game, uh, Julio is his favorite target, and Russell Gage is earning more of his trust. Um, Austin Hooper got six targets as well. Uh, so that that stands out to me. But I, I want to point out one guy who I feel like I'm pounding my head against the wall with Falcons fans uh, this season, and that's Jake Matthews. Um, Number one, he has been our best offensive lineman the entire season. And there Mm -hmm. is absolutely zero doubt about that. He has been better than Alex Mack. He's been better than Caleb McGarry. He's been better than anyone else on that offensive line. And that's not a low bar. He's actually been good. Um, His pass blocking has been exceptional this year. And I think that's one thing that stood out to me was uh, baby Bosa, uh, Nick Bosa, had absolutely no impact on -hmm. the game. And that was in large part because of Jake Matthews, who basically shut down the pass rush on the left side. Uh, so for all the fans out there who think you know you have to have the number one guy if you're going to pay them, and you don't pay anyone else unless they're the absolute best in the league. Um, Jake Matthews, he may not be the absolute best left tackle in the league, but he is a damn good left tackle, and he protects Matt Ryan's blind side, and he was worth every penny he got. So frankly, I'm just sick and tired of the people who tell me that he should be cut. He should be traded. He's paid too much. You don't know what you're talking about. Please shut up. This man had an exceptional game against a good pass rushing team and he's done it all season. And I saw it again on Sunday. And, and, uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, I, I feel like, you know, Ryan doesn't get some of those passes off to Julio if he's not protected. And I just wanted to highlight that because I, I saw it again this week with people sort of. You know, beating up on Jake Matthews and, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those it's a position that's like an air traffic controller. Uh, if they're doing their job well, Mm-mm. you're not hearing their name. You don't know who they are. Definitely. Yeah. And for Jake, you know, players see him give up once their uh, fans see him give up one sack and they lose their goddamn minds like, oh, my God, he gave up a sack. He's the worst tackle in the league. You need to cut him. Get rid of this bum. We paid too much. He's a bust. And I'm like, this is beyond idiotic. And and I I realize I'm a bit on on a bit of a rant here, but I'm quite frankly fed up with fans who don't know how to evaluate uh, offensive line or have they think the NFL works like Madden, where mm-hmm. you can just go out there and hey, this guy is the seventh best best tackle, so you're only going to pay him. You know, 70% of what the best tackle in the league gets. That is not how it works. I'm sorry. Look throughout the entire NFL. There are guys that are getting paid uh, that are further down the chart uh, compared to Jake Matthews. So yes, I am on my Jake Matthews rant. I apologize for those of you who are on board with me. Uh, Someone pushed me over the edge this weekend uh, and enough is enough. The guy is a fantastic left tackle. And here's the other thing. He has only ever gotten better every year he's been in the league. And this that's the other, like, what more can you ask of a player is for him to continue to improve to the point where the Falcons feel absolutely comfortable leaving him on an island. They don't have to give him any help, no chips, no running back, no tight end to help, you know, offset the pass rush. They just leave him out there and know he's going to do his job. Um, so he was one guy that stood out. And, you know, sort of to your point, you know, I'm going to get off my offensive line right here for a <laughs> second. Um the running game again completely ineffectual freeman 12 carries 39 yards um you know brian hill had one nice run uh and then apparently they the falcons just decided they had enough of that no more (laughs) no more good runs to brian hill Mm -hmm. um and you know it i I think
1: and then all of a sudden vultured that one (laughs) (laughs) One <laughs> well, carry yeah. for one yard and a touchdown. for one touchdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that
0: was that is the absolute worst thing you could do. to fantasy owners, um, it is. <laughs> who who saw Olsson's touchdown and said that doesn't help anybody. Um, but, but yeah, it, and I think that's the other thing. You know, when you think about winning this game without an effective running game, that is. That, to me, makes it more impressive, especially when you are missing a Calvin Ridley. You don't have a Muhammad Sanu. and You basically have Julio, and Julio still was able to you know bring it home because the, the 49ers yeah. knew it was going Julio. Kyle Shanahan knows full well what Julio Jones is capable of. Yeah. Um, and you have to believe, coming into this game, that he was saying, we've got to stop Julio, and they could not stop Julio. Um, yeah. So, to me, that is... Uh, a testament to those two players, Ryan and Julio, uh, arguably one of the uh, best all time QB to wide receiver pairings we'll ever see uh, in my humble opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. But Evan, any final thoughts on the offense? I know, you know, as we mentioned, it wasn't an explosive effort. It wasn't a high scoring effort, um, but any final thoughts to add?
1: No, I think you made a great point just now um, that what makes it even more impressive is how familiar Shanahan is with these people. If, let's say Calvin Ridley wasn't injured and he was the one who pretty much led the charge and had 13 receptions for 134 yards and two touchdowns. It wouldn't be as, I mean, it would be shocking definitely. Cause that's a phenomenal day. We're kind of used to it with Julio Jones, but Shanahan didn't coach Ridley. You know, he was right. familiar with Julio. He's familiar with Matt Ryan. He's familiar with Devonte Freeman. These are all yep. players he coached. Um, and for him to have, I I mean, that's got to be his best day of the year. I'd have to check, but... um, It's up there. To have it against Kyle Shanahan this year, um, in a game where, I mean, if you listen to last week's podcast again, I could not be not excited. Like, I was not excited at all for this game because I thought it was going to be a slaughter. And the Falcons were actually... I mean, there was that moment in the game, you, you you know it as a Falcons fan, where you feel it in your stomach like, Man, they might have, like they got a chance here and then Kenyon barner fumbled it
0: and oh, basically yes.
1: yeah and then i'm like oh so this this is where it ends okay well, <laughs> well think we played well and then they were able to fight back you know into it and um i can't remember if i mentioned it earlier but uh i got an article coming out about it but matt ryan's now eighth all time tied with fran tarkenton and Vinny testaverde um, for fourth quarter comebacks with 29. Um, yeah. And then I believe off the top of my head, I think Peyton Manning's number one with 43. So he's not like, he's going to climb that list even higher. He was tied with Brett Favre um, and Matthew Stafford, who's actually like one of his good friends um, last week, you know, before this happened. So he just keeps adding to his, you know, NFL Paul resume. Yeah. Hall of Fame yeah. Yeah, of um, resume. Yeah, and I mean, it, you look. I mentioned in the article. I don't want to give it away. It's a pretty good read, I guess. But um, you look at who he's with. The the everybody who who is above him is. I mean, the only one that's questionable. I mean, would be like Ben Roethlisberger, but he's a Hall of Famer, right? Like he's yeah, one. Absolutely. Exactly. So he would be the more questionable of it. There's no randoms in there. They're all Hall of Famers. I mean, you Brady's up there. Breeze is up there and these are the guys that he's not far from, you know, reaching. So, you know, kudos to him. Um, But yeah, Yeah. good offensive day, I'd say.
0: Yeah. Uh, And to add on to your final point, because I think it's such a great one. Um, In the NFL, it's often said that quarterbacks make their money on third down and in the fourth quarter. And if you look at Ryan's career, obviously, the fourth quarter, as you just mentioned, there's, there's absolutely zero question about what he can do there. But in the Falcons' time with him as quarterback, they have been mm-hmm. one of the best teams at converting on third down as well. Um, and I, I think that just is a testament to you know the quality of the play we've gotten from the QB position since 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though statistically this wasn't uh, a huge game for Ryan, Uh, I felt like he overcame a lot in this game, especially, uh, and I'm only going to touch on this briefly, with the way the refs were calling this game, which I thought was, I don't usually like to bring. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of bringing up the the refs because normally in the course of the game, that stuff tends to even out. This truly felt lopsided. Um, Mm -hmm. For instance, I, I truly felt... Austin Hooper had the the game winning touchdown at the end of the game, and somehow it got overturned, even though the replay seemed to clearly show he maintained possession of the ball throughout.
1: Yeah, to me, that was a catch, and I said it on Twitter.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And then, even the initial call on the Julio touchdown, it seemed like those reps were eager to get Mm -hmm. out of there and just did the replay because uh, it was so blatantly obvious uh, that he got in. So, uh, and, and that doesn't even touch on the horrifying roughing the passer penalties that got called uh for yeah. apparently and, and don't t-
1: forget the onside kick either.
0: Right. Yeah, the, the onside kick penalty. Uh oh, and uh them Which we've penalizing been the penalizing
1: screwed by twice this year. It doesn't make any yeah. like so he's technically had like I think who's had five successful ones. Two of them were penalized incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, bizarre. it's
0: it's I don't think you're ever gonna see a statistic like that in a single season again. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the other the the last penalty I want to bring up is the fact that the refs called the Falcons for delay of game when they did not reset the play clock, uh, mm-hmm. which was a mind-numbingly infuriating uh, penalty to throw on the Falcons. And you could and the thing is, Matt Ryan normally keeps his cool uh, even when his guys get called for false start. You can see him bark at them a little bit. This was the first time I saw Ryan get a like just furious and in the face of the ref you know basically mm-hmm. barking at him about the play clock not being reset and then the the refs did nothing they didn't correct it they just flagged the falcons and it killed the drive so mm-hmm. anyhow we're going to we're going we're gonna, to uh, stop there we're going to talk about the defense in the second half because i feel like uh this is the unit that arguably shined more than anyone uh against the the 49ers offense arguably stunned me more than anyone but before we do that We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more
1: added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your
0: current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check.
1: So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com It's magical.
0: And we're back on the Falcoholics postgame podcast, recapping the Falcons' stunning upset win, uh, 29-22, over the NFC uh, favorites for the Super Bowl, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who dropped to 11-3 after this game. We're going to talk about the defense because... This was uh, a game where, and Evan, I think you had the same thought, that I felt like the 49ers were not going to punt. They were going to score on every single drive. I thought we could legitimately see a 40-burger, maybe even a 50-burger dropped on the Falcons. The fact that they only scored 22 is, to me, uh, was a revelation in itself, the fact that the Falcons got out with a win. Is even more stunning. Uh, So, thinking about the defense, who are some of the guys that stood out to you that had uh, a big impact on the game that you felt like were a big contributor to the success on Sunday?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, it's, you know, Julio on offense. Right now, it's Grady Jarrett on defense. He's, if he gets snubbed from the Pro Bowl, it's going to be a crime because he has been incredible, worth every penny they've paid him. Um, he only, like, it shows that he has no sacks because he had one that was incorrectly flagged for some reason. It was very ticky tacky. Um, they said he hit Garoppolo like in the knees or something or whatever. Um, but I mean, what this dude's doing on the defensive line is incredible and there's really nothing I can add to it to justify it. You just kind of have to watch it and he's starting to get more national attention, which honestly is the best way for fans across the league to go, Hey, Grady Jarrett's pretty good. Um, because right now Falcons fans know it, the national media. I mean, they're starting to catch on to, especially like, uh, I think his name's Brian Baldinger or whatever, always posts like videos. Um, he has one on Grady Jarrett uh, and you just have to watch it. So if you have Twitter, go check it out. Um, after you listen to this, obviously, but, uh, yeah, Grady Jarrett was my standout. Um, we did see uh, Deidre Sanat activated, which was the first time this year that he's yeah. been in the game. Um, he only played like twelve snaps, but he rated pretty high on uh, PFF, which was pretty interesting. It was the sixth highest rated uh, defensive <laughs> player. Um, you know, Mariners been playing good. It, it, I mean, it was a great defensive day. I think the thing that stood out the most, and it's it's so bizarre and i haven't really seen anybody mentioning it online the stats on both sides of the on offense and or you know the 49ers offense and the falcons offense were so identical it's yeah it's it's julio jones um you think julio jones was feasting george kittle was also feasting um they both finished with 13 receptions for a 134 yards Like the exact same number. And, and you know, people were joking on Twitter during the game, you know, just stop George Kittle. That's all they're throwing it to because it it was really. um, I mean, their receivers, Debo Samuel, had one catch for 29 yards. Uh, I, I don't know his first name, but Bourne. He had one catch for 11 yards. Emmanuel Sanders, who they traded for before the deadline. Uh two receptions for nine yards. But then you have George Kittle getting 13 catches for 134 yards. It's it's insane. And it's not just there. If you look at how Ryan and Groppola's uh stats are and most certain Freeman, I mean it's, it's weird. Pretty, they, it's
0: pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah, they're all pretty similar. Um but yeah, didn't want to get off topic. Just wanted to mention that briefly. But uh I, I mean and then I, I guess you'd give credit to the secondary because I mean George, I, I guess they had Devondre Campbell on George Kittle at times and stuff like that, but the receivers on the 49ers were basically shut down. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that has to do more with the pass rush, having like a pretty solid day. Vic Beasley had a sack, and I think he also had one that was taken back by a penalty. Um, yep. If I remember correctly. So yep, Yeah, he
0: did. And,
1: and Bleedy, uh, also, Bleedy Ray Wilson, anytime yes. we need, he steps up to the plate. Um, I'm not saying he should be a starter, but he is, I mean, he's like a mini X Factor. When you need him because of, you know, for example, Trufant being out, he fits in so well. And he and he, he doesn't screw the game up for you or anything. He had, I mean, t- potentially, I believe, two interceptions, but he dropped them. But I'm a, I'm willing to overlook it because, like, aside from that, you know, he, he played well. I don't know how else yeah. to say it.
0: Yeah, he had three uh three pass defenses uh pass deflections mm-hmm. on the game, and uh, you know like you said, uh he probably could have intercepted a couple of those, uh but I- I'm not gonna beat up on that too much, and uh, so he was guy that stood out. It, another name who I uh, I think PFF graded as you know playing pretty decent was Isaiah Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to your point, you know really taking away the the 49ers receivers, uh, I feel like he had a strong game. And he is someone that fans were beating up on as well earlier this year. And for good reason, he was struggling. Uh, yeah. But he has gotten better, I feel like, in the second half of this season. He has is, he is improved incrementally from game to game. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, a lot of fans, you know, the minute they see a player have two or three bad games, they want to see them jettisoned. Uh, I want to see what Oliver does next year. I feel like he is someone who's trending up. Let's see if he you know, looks better in year three. Um, yeah.
1: He's so, kind of like that comparison I like that you made about Jake Matthews. Totally different positions and everything. But if you're mm-hmm. not noticing them, it's probably because they're doing their job. And right, that's exactly. kinda I love that comparison you made about Jake Matthews. And I think it kind of fits what Oliver's been doing.
0: Yeah. And and that's, you know, earlier in the season you heard his name a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Sort of he was along getting abuse, those same lines. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. He was getting targeted, you know, he's getting picked on. And now you don't hear as much. Now I do want to throw in the caveat that uh, Garoppolo I felt like was up and down all game he seemed really inconsistent Some of that may have been you know to your point the pressure that the Falcons defensive line was able to generate um but you know some of the throws like you know, there was a throw to uh, George Kittle in the end zone that Bleedy Ray almost intercepted that was just awful it was it was short it was low it, it looked like a pass to Bleedy Ray Wilson and you know it so I don't want to go too over the top with the praise we give to the Falcons defense uh, because sometimes the other team just plays poorly and it makes you look better. Uh, and I think there's an element of that with uh, with the way Jimmy G played. but I think credit can be given uh, to you know several of these guys throughout the game for for playing well. Vic Beasley he's now creating some confusion. Uh, I, I <laughs> let me let me say, I I do not think he's going to be back, Um, but he has seven and a half sacks on the season. Uh, And he's got two more games to go. Uh, And Mike Bell has said he'll get a tattoo of Vic Beasley on his body. If Vic gets 10 sacks this year. So there is a part of me that wants to see him pick up two and a half sacks over the next two games. If only to see Mike Bell have to follow through on, on that, uh, that promise to the, to listeners um so it, as you mentioned i feel like special teams you know I, I really just want to highlight quickly that Koo had another uh solid solid game mm-hmm. um and as you pointed out this man is apparently an absolute specialist in onside kicks i have yeah. never seen a kicker have this much success. i don't
1: think anybody has
0: no this is stunning i i have I cannot remember ever seeing a team have this much success with onside kicks. It Wait, makes when's me wonder the last if they time should the do-
1: Falcons did it so uh what's the word like just Frequently? Ah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Like they have so much confidence in him getting it done. It's insane. It's the
0: most. They won't let him kick fifty-yard field goals, but onside kicks, yeah. are, we are all about that business. We're gonna. Let hey, him he's do bringing a day. different
1: dynamic to the table. You know, I mean, he had that one. It was like a fifty-one yarder, and it was ugly because it like hit the pole and bounced it in. Doinked in, um, yeah. So maybe he's not a fifty-yard kicker, but I mean, that's all. If you have a specialist who can onside kick, it's pretty much the same as having Devin Hester in his prime. You know, on the yeah. other side, it, it brings a whole nother dynamic to your special teams unit that Koo is just, I mean, like I mentioned earlier in the show, he has five successful ones. It was just two were <laughs> negated by stupid penalties. The one in this game um, was that the Falcons, for some reason, only had, t- which makes it more impressive, in my opinion, only yeah. had 10 people on the field. And four, you have to have five on one side and five on the other. And then obviously you have your kicker in the middle. Um, they only had four on the side where they kicked it. So, <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, but kudos to Koo. He's, I mean, he's been a specialist for us, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it, it's one of the um, pleasant surprises uh, in the back half of the season, um, you know, in a year where the kicker situation was bumbled yeah. Uh, in ways you couldn't uh, ever have envisioned. Uh, at least it looks like with Koo, we, we're going to have some fun to finish out the year. You yeah. Know?
1: And, and Ryan Allen too, I think. Um, we had a lot of problems. Yeah. As you mentioned on Twitter, I think you said we had 18 punters. <laughs> Obviously <laughs> an exaggeration, but not far off. Um
0: <laughs> exactly. And they got Ryan
1: Allen back because Boscher went on IR and I mean he he's looked good um also in that Oliver and Matthews thing where it's like if you're not noticing him he's probably doing his job I did notice one of his yep. punts should have probably been stopped um but it rolled in the end zone you know that's not always on the punter um his job's to get them to where they could potentially stop it uh, before yep. he goes in the end zone but that's here nor there it's just yeah I mean everything's clicking right now and it's uh, I mean did you see the Falcons beating especially a couple weeks ago Beating the two, arguably the two best teams at NFC. I know the 49ers now slide to like the fifth seed or something since we beat them. And we basically just helped the Saints. But we went into San Francisco and went into New Orleans and won. And that's bizarre. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. This is a weird No, team.
0: No, for a team that started 1-7, and seven, I never would have predicted this. And, uh, you know, even after beating... Uh, the Panthers twice and I feel like that was more a statement on where the Panthers are and where we are in that rivalry. You know, it's sort of a dominance in recent years of the Falcons over the the Panthers. I felt like this was going to be the, uh, the, the reality game and it ended up being uh, a fun one. And, uh, you know, and I want to, to close out the podcast, I've gotten to this argument with several people, uh, after the game, because I made the comment that, uh, you know, I, I'm never going to root for the Falcons to lose. I, I'm a Falcons fan. Uh, I want to see them win, even if it's going to cost us uh, draft position. Because uh, the one thing I know about the draft is there's no such thing as a sure thing. Uh, if you go back just a few years, you know there was a pass rusher that was going to go in the very top of the round. Uh, Falcons fans wanted to trade up to get him. Um, and he's not even with his original team now. And that's Jadavian Clowney. He went number one overall. He was going to be a generational pass rusher, from what everyone had said. And there were a couple of guys that were taken after him, Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald in the same draft class. And, you know, they were taken, you know, Aaron Donald, I think fell all the way to like number 11. Uh, and, you know, he is inarguably the best defensive tackle and quite possibly the best defensive player in the entire NFL. Um, yeah. So when it comes to the draft, there is no, you know, Chase Young. Yeah. He looks like the real deal. He very well could be, um, but it, it's hit or miss guys. Uh, sometimes these guys get injured. Sometimes they just don't pan out. I mean, the if there's one thing the NFL has shown us, it's do not bank your future on uh, just your draft picks. Um, and that's, you know, for me, I want to see the Falcons win. and well, I know that's the point of, you who of listen- being
1: a fan, too. Yeah, to absolutely. You absolutely. If, you, if you're watching the game and the whole time, like, you're just thinking about, man, I want this team to lose. I, I question how, I mean, I'm never going to say somebody's not a fan. It's up to you how you absolutely. act as a fan. But I question how much you actually care about the team because these players, a lot of them won't be on the team next year. The coaches, a lot of them are probably going to get fired. Um, yeah, and they they want to win. It's regardless of what you want in the draft. It's it's all about the people we have right now. Um, yeah, because teams change every year. Even Super Bowl teams change every year. Um, so you don't want these guys to just. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with like Austin Hooper? You know, are they going to let him walk? It's like you want to enjoy these games. That's the point of being a fan. And as yeah. you mentioned. The draft isn't as concrete as you think it is. Um, you know, everybody hates Big Vic, Vic Beasley. Uh, we drafted him pretty damn high, and we thought he was going to, like, change the world. And, yeah, he somehow led the league in sacks one year. But, I mean, nobody's pro Vic Beasley at this point, it doesn't seem like. Yeah. Um, so, and everyone I mean, was just, on board
0: it, with drafting him, too. I think definitely. people forget that. I, I
1: was, too. I remember. Yeah. It. I, I'm not gonna add up to it, it is. Thought he was going to be something else. And then when he led the league in sacks, we were like, damn, we're on to something. But, you know. And I, on that
0: note, I think uh, that's a perfect place to end it. Obviously, there are going to be questions about what does this mean for Dan Quinn and his future with the Falcons. And uh, we're going to try to get another podcast in to discuss those topics in a little bit more detail um, obviously, we're going to have write-ups at thefalcoholic.com, as Evan mentioned earlier. Uh, he also has his write-ups there. Please go to the site, check it out. We put a lot of work into this. Our writers do a fantastic job of covering this team. Uh, if you're looking for content, we have something new and exciting almost every hour uh, going up at the site at this point. Um, so, Evan, why don't you tell our listeners where they could find you and what you've got going on?
1: Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield, and as I mentioned, I have an article. I don't know the exact day, but it'll be like pretty soon um, about Matt Ryan being in the top eight or tied for top eight um, in all time comebacks. Uh, you know, he's just he's a great talent. Um, I think he'll be one of those players where he won't he'll like whatever he's appreciated right now it'll be tenfold after he retires and no. the falcons aren't just like you know oh we got the next whatever it's like you're going to be searching for a quarterback he's just he's good even if you hate yeah. him like you can't argue who who he's among in these stat categories um and that's just one stat you could go on the and look at all these different uh areas of where he's excelling touchdowns yardage whatever but i'm just focused on the fourth quarter comebacks which you know He's done. Um, so yeah, uh, and another did again. One. Yeah. yeah and he'll get again on do Sunday. It. Yeah, and he'll could probably continue doing it. Um so yeah, I appreciate you all listening to me and DW talk and uh you know we'll be back next week uh talking about the Jaguars. That yeah. Will
0: that will be fun. <laughs> uh as for me guys, you can find me on Twitter at Alcoholic DW, of course here weekly on the post game podcast and eventually back on the regular podcast uh, we'll see when we can get that one put together uh, so for Evan birchfield this is dave walker thank you guys for tuning in I'll talk with you next time